Hey, good morning. Everybody doing well? Last you checked? I could probably read this without it. I was, um, I didn't get enough of Easter, okay? Did you get enough of Easter? Did you want a little bit more this morning? Okay, I'm, I'm, um, I got thinking about the resurrection, and then I, then I got realized that there's all these post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And I said, nobody talks enough about those. So I said, okay, I'm going to talk about them with God's grace and God's help. And what did that do to the mindset of the people who knew Jesus as a flesh-and-blood person, walked with him, saw the miracles, ate with him, they lived their life out in, in front of them. They made horrible mistakes, and yet they realized who God was through that expression. But yet, it wasn't until the resurrection, and even for a lot of the apostles, that, that didn't totally put things over the top. Peter was still struggling, and Jesus had to restore him after the resurrection. Okay, Thomas walks in, right? And what's going on with this resurrection thing? I don't believe it, okay? I need to see more. And um, I'll get back to him in a minute because I've, we've had some talks about Thomas. Um, I've enjoyed talking with the men's group and with, uh, I loved some of Jim's take on, on Thomas as well. And um, he really is a cool guy, okay? I think he gets a bad rap. Um, but I'd like to just take a moment and just ask God to uh, lead me and lead us through and that you would hear what God wants you to hear. Because I'll tell you, uh, uh, I've walked into services, I've heard messages for a long time now, but what God wanted me to hear sometimes wasn't even necessarily what the speaker said. You ever had that happen? Put your hand up. Okay, I've had that happen. And... Um, walked out, and I believe God has something for, for you this morning, and I say that humbly. Um, I believe it's true every morning, but uh, God just, I felt like the Lord wanted me just to tell you that this morning. Father, thank you for the opportunity to, to be here together. Thank you for the opportunity to speak, and I uh, just ask for your grace, for your help, and for us to have ears to hear what you would have to say to us at this moment in time, at this time in which we exist, the time that we live, the time that we grapple with things in life and, and the people that we've become, the people that we, we want to become. Speak to us, Father. Through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to go back to the resurrection a little bit first, okay? So, um, I've got a few scriptures, and those are going to come up, uh, but I'm going to read the first one to you. It's Romans 5. It's pretty familiar. For when we were without strength in due time, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Okay? He didn't die, and so he died for the godly, the ungodly. Jesus hung out with sinners. Hung, Jesus hung out with people who generally were, were, were down and out, okay? Anybody watch The Chosen? 
Chosen, uh, it does a good job bringing a lot of that out. The relationships and, and the pitfalls and, and, and all the, you know, humanity that walks and lives with Jesus and uh, uh, all their mistakes are right, right out there. Um, but Jesus, he cared and sought out you and me while we were yet sinners. So, uh, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commends his love toward us, you and me, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's just, um, it's just who God is. See, God has, God has this thing called justice. He has his righteousness. And we don't really live up to that very, very well, apart from Christ. Even with Christ, we struggle with it. God's working on our defaults, if you will, and changing those and giving you a new one. See, God's transforming us, and that's, that's what's exciting about life. So if you haven't attained, if you're not perfect yet, guess what? It's okay. It's okay. And um, God expects a process to take place in our lives. Okay. Probably didn't say all that much new to you there, but it's important going into and looking at God's resurrection that that's exactly who Jesus died for is you and me. That that why we were imperfect, why we were at sinners, why we were set on ourselves and stuck in our own world, stuck in our own places, owing a debt that we couldn't pay anybody relate to that? Everybody have a, a, I've I've had debt and sometimes a debt that I couldn't pay. Um, I realized everything I was doing still wasn't making enough money to pay a mortgage once. And um, God somehow worked it out. But um, it was scary, quite honestly. So it was scary. Wife, three kids, and thinking, I can't pay for this. Okay? But we owe a debt, in a sense. We needed to be ransomed. I'm just giving you background. Why? Why the crucifixion? Because our sins were laid upon him who knew no sin. The only one worthy enough, the only one pure enough, the only one that came down and lived a life that was sinless. The one who did not owe anything paid my debt. Right? Paid my penalty for sin and has ransomed me. That means he, when he paid that debt, he took me out of the kingdom of the enemy, of Satan, brought me into his kingdom and gives me the opportunity now to share that kingdom because I'm aware of it. Not that I share it perfectly, but I'm aware of it and they're now capable of sharing that kingdom with others, and it's the privilege and the glory of God when we do share that kingdom. So, why did Jesus come? Okay. I don't know if we can get that first scripture up there. Uh, Luke nineteen ten. I, I've written these in my Bible over time in those pages they give you at the front that are blank, and I thought I'd, I'd write in some. Why did Jesus come? 
What does the Bible have to say? Not what does men have, what does, okay? So the first one I've, I've got up here is the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. That's why Christians use the term, I was lost and now I'm found. I was like a lost sheep that a shepherd went out to go find, okay? And he found it, okay? But I was lost, now I'm found. The, the, next, the next verse is 1 John 3, 8. What else does the Bible have to say? Okay, um, if I connected on the right scripture there. Um, is that, wow, okay. Um, that's not the one I wanted. Um, okay, i tell you what. Um, the verse that I was looking for that I should have up there, that's probably my fault, okay? Um, to destroy the... Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one. The Son of God was made manifest. He came in the flesh to destroy the works of the devil. Okay? Familiar with that verse? Heard that? Okay. So that's why Jesus... Came. That's important if that's what the Bible says about you, and it does. Okay? Matthew. Um, did I? Okay, thanks. <laughs> 20, 28. Okay? Just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay? Jesus came to give his life for us. For us who needed it, for us who knew no, for us who knew sin, needed a savior, needed salvation. Jesus came, gave his life, and paid our debt for sin. Okay. Now, if we were going to have a long course about this, we would build a course on how, where does the Bible say that? And you go through the Old Testament, and you particularly have sin offerings that were done for millennial time, okay? Um, I don't know about 21st century man, how much we're really grapple with the idea of sin. We know we need help today. There's help going on everywhere in today's culture, but all that goes back to a sin problem. And acknowledging that is the first step towards God, and realizing that he came to give his life as a ransom for you and me. Okay, John 18, 37. Okay, John 18, 37. Okay, so you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, this reason I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who listens, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Okay? Here Jesus is saying, I came to testify to the truth. The truth. Okay? There is truth, people. You might have the world around you and you might have heard, my truth is. Okay? And I've thought about this. Okay? I think my truth probably relates where I can relate to that and think that it might have any validity at all, might come down to the fact that I have preferences. I 
like ice cream. Okay? That's my truth for ice cream. Okay? I might even like a particular flavor. I like seven C's ice cream or four C's, four C's ice cream. Sorry. Um, I eat there enough. I should have known. It. I should have said four C's. A four C's ice cream, and I like the banana. Okay? It's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I, like, I like the creamery, too. Okay? You're all going to go out and get ice cream this afternoon after hearing my message. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to move on. Okay. Let's go to um, Revelation 5, verses 9 and 10. And they sang a new song. This is in heaven. What are they singing about in heaven? It says, you are worthy. And they're singing this to Jesus, the Lamb of God. You are worthy to take the scroll and open the seals because you were slain, verse 10. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus came to purchase us, and he didn't come just to Israel, okay? Of course, in the flesh, he came to Israel because the Jews had all the roots that go back that God had called out Abraham, and eventually the law was given to his descendant, Moses, and you've got all the things that pertain to salvation and the word of God from the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled everything that was in there that needed to be done. So here's, they're now in heaven. This is, this is almost like past tense. This is a look into the future. So if I'm living in the future, I'm looking back, I'm saying, I'm worshiping Christ. I'm saying, okay, you are worthy, okay? And now you've, now Christ has a bride, which is you and me, okay? And we're likened unto uh, priests who serve our God and reign on the earth. Um, so, so Jesus has purchased us with his blood, and that blood is for the entire world, every tribe, every nation, no matter where you go. And you know what? It works Everywhere. Okay? Everybody say that. I know this works everywhere. Okay? In every situation. It's not done in a box. It's not done for a certain people. But it's available, and it's, it's available for everyone. Okay? Uh, and I think we have... What's, what's our next one up there? Okay, Romans 8.34. Okay, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died. Does it, have, does it go into 35 there or not? Okay, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Okay, this is important scripture. I'm probably going to get back to this later. But, okay, Jesus was raised from the dead. Okay. This is the crux of the scripture. This is, this is the power of, of what we believe. And um, we'll be getting, getting to that in a moment. One more scripture, and it's, uh, we're into 
John 6, 29. Okay. The work of God is this. What's the work of God? To believe in the one he has sent. Okay. We often say that I'm not saved by works. Okay. But Jesus used this expression, the work of God is this, to believe. So, I don't know, maybe believe and work. Okay, it takes a little work to believe, but we were told that God gives us faith to believe. And, he grants, and uh, our job isn't so much to be out doing things, trying to earn salvation, trying to earn favor with God. We get to do God's work. Okay? When you wake up in the morning, one of the things you can say that will help your day is, I get to do today. I get to do this. I get to live for God. I get to do this. I've often given that to students for years. That was passed on to me from a music teacher who put up the phrase all over the school where I was out in Portland, Oregon. We get to do this. We get to do school. Wanted to build excitement that, oh, I got to get up and go to work again. Okay? Okay? And you might have days where you certainly feel like that. Hopefully, that's not the majority. But um, maybe God's moving you another job if it is. Um, but uh, you get to do this. Believe God. Believe God. How is God going to use me today? What is God going to show me today? How am I going to take what God has put within my heart, the glory of Christ, okay, the spirit of God, and bring that to wherever it is that I go. Okay? That's expanding the kingdom of God. Because if we live that way, and we live with an expectation how God's going to use me, and even in the worst things in life, how is God going to get me out of this? Jim shared a story about Jehoshaphat, great king. Okay? He did some dumb things. One of the smartest things he did was what Jim talked about, was, okay, Lord, help me out of this. And we're often busy trying to be smart. And I'd say, it's good to be smart, okay? I'm not saying you should become, okay, a knucklehead, um, a bonehead, okay? I've got all kinds of words. Sometimes I look in the mirror and I think that way and I've got to stop it Um, (laughs) because I do some dumb things. I do a lot of dumb things sometimes. But Christ is, is calling us out to live in this world and to live in his strength and his power and his authority. Okay? Say amen. Okay? That's why we have a hope and a future. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to move on. Um, the first idea that I've really found in resurrection and that where they were encountering it and it set everybody on edge in that whole Judean area, area was when Lazarus died. When Lazarus died and Jesus showed up do you know that he was delayed from getting there earlier? Okay, if you read the account, you'll see that. And by the time he got there, Lazarus was buried in grave clothes. He was there for four days. Now, it's not like today. If, you, okay, if you're an undertaker today and, 
You've had a loved one, okay? They embalm them. They make them look really nice in the casket, okay? Sometimes we, we've gone to wakes like that or we've viewed a body and there's comments going on, particularly for the, by the older people there, um, saying, oh, they made it look really nice. Or somebody goes home later and says, I don't think that looked like her at all. I don't know what they did. But Lazarus was there four days. Matter of fact, they made the comment, hey, Lord, by now, he stinks. He smells bad. You don't want to open up that grave. And Jesus said, no. Roll, roll the stone away. And this was, like, this was like a foreshadowing where Jesus is going later. And, and he says, Lazarus, come forward. Some people have often said maybe if you just said, come forward, maybe everybody would have come forward at that time. I love that. He said, Lazarus, come forward. And sure enough, here comes Lazarus. Can you imagine the look on everybody's face? Whoa. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't tell you I can imagine that. I just tell you, I used my words from the late 60s, 70s, I'd be totally blown away, okay? I'd drop my drawer and say, wow. And it wouldn't wouldn't be enough to begin to describe it. But he who was dead was now alive. They believed in the resurrection. But Jesus showed them the reality of that resurrection. And it began with Lazarus. Matter of fact, the, the, what happened after that was the plot to kill Jesus suddenly ramped up to new heights. And they began to find a way to kill him. I would say the calling forth of Lazarus riled up the satanic world. Okay? It riled up the enemy. So I want you to go back with me. What if, what if you were there at, um, at the tomb? You get up in the morning and you go to anoint Jesus, care for his body, and suddenly he's not there. See, they steal his body. They moved it. Where did they move it? What happened? So Mary suddenly hears the phrase Rabboni. Or if we translate that, it means teacher. They call Jesus teacher a lot. Teacher. because Jesus revealed himself. She, she, she didn't even recognize him at first. She said she thought he was maybe the gardener, the guy who took care of the grounds. He was a groundskeeper. Can you tell me what happened? She has a conversation. Jesus says, no, it's me. 
And for some reason, he says, don't handle me at that time, which is an interesting thing because somehow he ascends to the Father and he comes back, and later on he tells Thomas to touch him. Okay? I'll do Thomas now just for a minute. I love the fact that Thomas said, Lord, if it's, I want to, and this is before he sees Jesus. He's with the group that's already seen him. And he says, if I touch you, I'll, I'll, if I touch him, I'll believe it. And Jesus indulges him to go ahead and do just that. I love the fact that Thomas was Thomas because there's skeptics today. There's people who doubt. There's people that are from Missouri that's called the show me state. Everybody here heard that at one time, right? Show me, okay? Are you from Missouri? You live there? Oh, okay, okay. So Jesus, if you're a skeptic, it's okay. Because Jesus just looks at you like Thomas and the people that doubted what was going on, what better person to indulge and say, go ahead, touch my hands, touch my side. And Thomas believed. Further proof of the resurrection that if a skeptic who said, hey, this is my condition, and sure enough, Jesus said, go ahead, touch me, handle me. I've often wondered that what would it be like if we had lived back then? I often thought, thinking a few days ago, what if we could bring everybody back in a time machine at the time of Jesus' crucifixion? And it's somebody we knew and had walked with, like you and me and walked with them for a few years. And now suddenly, we watch the person get taken away by the authorities. And then we watch them die. We hold a burial service for them. Today, we'd put them in the ground, or we'd cremate them. And then all of a sudden, here's Jesus! I mean, I, I don't, I just, just the idea of I walked with him, I've talked with him, I made mistakes, I, I saw him do miracles, and they took him away, and they killed the Son of God who we hoped was the Messiah. Well, he was. But we hoped he'd save Israel from the Romans, from the oppression. And Jesus' kingdom was another kingdom than what they imagined. And that's really what he was presenting to them. Now here he is. He's alive. He's alive. That's what we celebrate at Easter. And it's not just that he rose. It's just now he's walking with them. And he's appearing to them. So it wasn't just... The stones rolled away and Jesus is gone and we heard a few people had a conversation and he must be alive. That is not simply what our belief in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ and his 
It's, it's his reappearing, and it's people who saw him alive, saw him die, and then saw him alive again in a resurrected form. But yet the resurrected form, do you realize that if, if we go into and look at the accounts in, in, in Luke, it, it's talking about uh, Jesus talking to two men on the road, and one of them's name is Cleopas. He's not mentioned as a disciple, not one of the 12. But it seems like from the context, he must have been a follower. He knew, he knew enough to some degree that when he's having this conversation and he doesn't know it's Jesus. The thing that I see again and again is just there's, there's Jesus seems to be able to make himself known or keep himself unknown to people in his, even though he's walking the earth in a resurrected body. I know this, me talking about this, feel a little bit strange? It does to me. I wasn't there. I read about it, and I'm trying to just figure it out. I try to bring this out and see the wonders of when Jesus was actually there and reached out had conversations and brought people where he finally did reveal himself after conversations, after people who saw him. And it was God's grace, God's will to reveal the fact that he had beaten death. He had overcome, which is why Paul later would, would write things like, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? And what did it change in the mindset of those people who saw the resurrected Christ, who perhaps had also seen him walk with them. He had, a, he had the conversation with this man, Cleopas, and they're walking down the road, and he's, he's doing a lot of the talking, and, and they don't know it's Jesus yet, and Jesus says, well, okay, he's just listening. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And finally, he reveals himself over a meal. And they realized that was him walking with us down the road. They're fishing some morning, okay? Uh, there's, there was one movie done about Jesus just maybe five, seven years ago. Maybe not that long, but, but it, it shows a centurion-looking for evidence of whether it was really the Christ. It's pretty well done, okay? One of the things after the resurrection that they show was that the disciples have kind of wandered back and gone back to what they did before. Peter's out there fishing again. So he's, he's gone back to, after walking and living with Jesus for three years, he's decided to go back and fish because Jesus is gone. And Jesus shows up. Guess what? The miracle that Peter experienced about three years before that suddenly kind of reoccurs. And suddenly Peter's got a lot of fish in the boat, more fish he knows what to do with. And Jesus brings them ashore. And it's, it's uh, I can't remember which gospel that's in. Uh, probably should have 
I should have looked that up. That might, I don't know if that was Luke or, or Matthew, but if you take that, and then I think it's sometime probably right around that. I can only, I don't know, maybe I take some liberty here. But I think Jesus has a conversation with Peter right after that. Maybe right after that breakfast where everybody gets fed and Jesus himself now is eating in his resurrected body. So is there food in heaven? Okay, maybe there's ice cream. Okay, sounds reasonable. Um, But uh, he he has that conversation with Peter and he he says, do you love me more than this? Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And Peter suddenly becomes this great apostle. Day of Pentecost, Jesus said, wait in an upper room and wait to be endued with power. Wait for the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And it changed the life of those 12 men who had witnessed everything. They had seen, I don't know, unimaginable things in terms of maybe perhaps where we are today. But they knew that Christ had overcome this life. Death was just a door. It was just a transformation door that you just walk through and you, you go through the, the other, you come out into the next room and he's got another body. He's got a resurrected body. The one who died was now alive. It was no hoax. It was no joke. Do you have that um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 scripture there? Thank you, Jeremiah. Paul wrote this and um, often thought that this is the whole chapter is great, so just if you get a chance to read the whole chapter, please do. It's actually uh, just thought I'd, it was appropriate if we read it aloud in terms of the, the strength and power of the resurrection and what it meant to Paul. Now, Paul was not there. Paul was a Pharisee. That means he was a follower of Judaism to the nth degree, to the point that he was putting to death Christians, because he felt Christians were damaging um, the whole structure of Judaism and were saying things that didn't line up with what they believed at all and felt these people needed to be put to death. And then he was given the right to put them to death and did so. If you read in Acts the story of Stephen, Stephen is put to death and Saul has consented to it. I think something happened there, began to happen maybe in his heart. We know his conversion took place shortly after that on the Damascus Road, where God talked to him. He has a personal epiphany, which just means he has a time where he sees God. And he's converted. So anyway, he's writing this later. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. What, what is that gospel? Which you have received and which you have taken your stand. Just keep going with this, Jeremiah. And we'll, okay. I'm just going to go through this quickly. So verse 2. By this gospel, you are saved. 
if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. What he means, otherwise, if you believe something else, okay, then you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is why I started with those scriptures at, at the beginning. Okay, first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Okay, four, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, this is Peter now, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, and they mean some that have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And the last of all, he appeared to me as the one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect, not without impact. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, this is what you believed. But if it, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, How can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we then are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. See, this had seeped into the Corinthian church. Uh, We don't really totally believe Jesus was raised from the dead. This is so important to our faith, to what we believe. It underscores and highlights everything else. It highlights who Jesus is, what he did on the cross, okay? And it it means it is true. It is absolutely uh, believable. We stake our lives on that. Okay, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. Verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Again, Jesus died and he's been raised. Because he was raised, not just because he died, but also because he was raised, that are now set free from sin, then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people are most pitied. So if our faith does not go beyond this life, okay, and there's, there's no hope for eternity, then we live a very empty life. It doesn't, it just, it comes up short. It leaves something to be desired. But Christ has indeed been raised. Great, this is just such a powerful statement here. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those 
who have fallen asleep or who have died. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. When it says when death came through a dead, through a man, we're referring to this next verse, for in Adam all die, the first man, so in Christ all will be made alive. For each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God, the Father, to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Okay? We still have death, but now there's power over death because of Christ. And so one day, there will be no more death as well. For he has put everything under his feet. And when it says that everything has been put under his feet, 28, and it is clear that, that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. As Jesus was raised from the dead, he ascended to the right hand of God the Father. The right hand of God the Father is seen as the highest place that any Jewish mind could have thought of. It is the highest place in the universe. It is the place of absolute authority and honor. And that's where our Lord has done this. So in verse 28, when he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. So the resurrection underscores that the gospel that we have today is something that we can rely on, not something that was just written, wasn't man-made, it wasn't something that somebody dreamed up, somebody had a spiritual experience somehow, somewhere, but this is for all people. Getting back to that verse I read earlier, okay? All people, nations, cultures, ethnic groups, etc., So you hold firmly to his message, which he has given us. Hold firmly, church. Hold firmly in your belief. And think of what that means each day, that when, when we get up, we serve a risen Savior who's alive. And just as he gave himself for us, there is the promise in Scripture that we will be raised like him. We're going to be raised like him. We're going to have the resurrection body as well. Not pie in the sky. See, Jesus showed this to people. It gave them hope. It saw that what they, were, what they thought Jesus was all about, which would have been just this life and this kingdom and overcoming the Romans and throwing off the rule of their oppressors, this was way more than that. This was an eternal kingdom that they could have within them and represent and know that their life meant something bigger than simply everything around them that they could touch or see or experience. It was bigger than anything like that. Jesus accomplished what no one ever thought of 
or imagined. Sin was defeated, okay? Our debt has been paid, and Jesus has ascended on high. He has appeared, not just to a few people. We're told at least 500 were there that saw him ascend. I've watched um, another account of Jesus way, way back. I remember his ascension, and he's talking, and suddenly the music comes on, the background, mysterious music, and Jesus is suddenly taken up out of their sight. I don't know if it happened exactly the way the movie showed. It's an interpretation. But I think, once again, this is the man who they lived with, who they experienced life with for three years. This is the one that they saw reappear after death. And they, wow, he's alive. And then Jesus is going back. Now, for them, perhaps it was strange, but it was also powerful. And I think the realization that Jesus, as he's ascending now into heaven, he's going back to where he always was. (laughs) Do you ever think about that? It was strange maybe for them, but for him, this was a natural thing for Jesus to ascend and go back to God the Father, okay, from, from this bodily resurrected form. And Jesus is doing so because he's promised something. If you go back in the Gospels, he's promised that he would send another, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, okay, Christ in us. See, the the power that we have today is the next part of that. We're still living that out as his church, as his bride, as as his one that is precious to him. We can live that out in the power and strength of who Jesus was, Jesus is, and knowing that this is a sure thing today. There's no... Gates of hell do not prevail against the church of God. What chance does man have prevailing against God's church, God's kingdom? This is the kingdom that you and I, as God has put you in, has made you a representative that we, can, we have and we can take that everywhere. It's not just for Sunday. Ever hear, ever hear something? It's not just for Sunday anymore, okay? Um, we've had some discussions about that lately. And how do we become more of that representation wherever we go as believers for him and expand that kingdom that goes way beyond this life and that Christ came in, became flesh and blood because he was the spotless lamb of God, had to become flesh and blood to shed his blood to pay for our sin and redeemed us and has put us and translated us, moved us into his kingdom, out of the kingdoms of this life. Paul said, don't be careful. I believe this was to Timothy, his letter to Timothy. He said, be careful how you become involved in the things of this life. Jesus talked about the parable of the sower. And he says, sometimes the cares of life just get in there. They're important, 
But keeping the perspective on it will depend how we handle it and work through it and knowing that God is over those things. Don't lose track of that. No matter how overwhelming it might feel, no matter who you might feel is against you, no matter how frustrating things can be in this life, sometimes just coming into that presence of God. It doesn't, it can be in church, yes, but may it be more in our quiet time. Maybe that happens for you in the morning. Maybe it happens at night. Maybe you get away for lunch and talk to God. But I I know that Christians experience that. I get away with God and it felt like all the cares melt away. And I realize that he does have all authority. And if I just keep that in mind, okay, I will be victorious. We will see a victory as we sang. I got to go just move, shuffle some papers. See, I could have gone for hours. It's easy to do that on the resurrection. It's such a wide, big subject, okay? I mean, theologians have written books on atonement, sanctification, you know, on and on and on. And, um, but it's just what's, I, I hope that you haven't nodded off too much. And I trust that as, as I look at these finally, some comments, I'll just take it down to the end here, is know that Christ lives today and he's making intercession for us, okay? That's a cool thing. I've read that. It's, a, it's actually a few times in scripture that Christ is advocating on your behalf. You know another word for advocate? Anybody? You can say it if you know it. It's another word for advocate. Intercede, okay. Intercede's good. He's an intercessor for us. Defense lawyer. That's kind of the one I was looking for. Okay, defense lawyer. Okay. You feel like there might be everything against you. You need somebody to protect you. Okay. Jesus is a good man. (laughs) He's a good lawyer. Okay. He advocates. He goes to the Father on our behalf. And you might feel the sin. You might feel the weight of this world. You might feel things are against you. You might realize, how did I ever get myself into this mess? And when you start blame, stop blaming other people, you realize maybe you had a little bit to do with it somewhere. And you say, how do I get out of it? Jesus just reaches down, reaches into our lives and changes things and brings us out. It might be a total change. It might might be minor. It might be just the ability and the strength to go through something that you didn't think you could go through. That's our intercessor. We should be excited to live out the glory of God, being part of that kingdom, being representatives of it. There should be a call to being, I'm set apart for God, but yet I'm in this world and I can impact it. The world needs this message. Amen? Church, you are the bride of Christ. I've alluded to this. Okay? You are precious in Jesus' sight. When we're presented as at the marriage supper of the Lamb, we're going to be the church without spot or wrinkle. Okay? 
You might feel times that you feel dirty from this world. I need a spiritual bath, okay? The blood of Christ is the bar of soap. Confession is good for the soul, and it is. Confess before God. But he sees you as his bride. To him, that is precious. When I saw my wife coming down the aisle when we were married, almost 48 years ago, this, this August, we were married when we were about 10, um, um, I got this little twitch that was going off in the side of my face. And I knew that, you know, it wouldn't stop because some, some part of me was overcome with what I was feeling, okay? I realized nobody else was really looking at me, so I wasn't too conscious about it because I figured, oh, I know they're all looking at her just like I'm doing. I'd felt overwhelmed by, I think, the joy that was in my heart. But it's how Christ feels about us, is that deep love for you and for me, you are precious to him. He would go out and leave the 99 and find you. Remember, all around you is temporal, temporary. There's a greater kingdom. There's greater reasons for being alive and giving ourselves to, and not being, feeling like, what can this world do to me? No, you will overcome, because he overcame. Okay? We should live with a responsibility to further that kingdom every day, to bring it to those who don't know him yet, just like you and me. I didn't know Christ. I didn't walk with Christ. I was 19 and a half years old when I came and received Christ. I was out on the main street looking for activities that are hard for me to tell you about. Okay? But I ran into an old friend who began to tell me about Christ. My life changed because of that, because somebody cared enough simply to befriend me and ask me, hey, can I talk to you about something that's been going on in my life? I said, sure. We had a conversation. I received Christ, Lord Jesus, come into my life. And it's been very different for a long time. But don't forget that there's people just like you that need that love of God, that need the gospel, need to be shown what the gospel looks like. Finally, remember, okay, this isn't just stories that were passed down. There's a lot more behind the word of God than what I think people realize. It really is the word of God. And uh, that's probably things I would ask people to continue to check out. But Jesus, again, Jesus showing himself resurrected to many, many people and then ascending and then moving and working in lives and then seeing lives like Paul 
who was persecute them, persecuting them, and had the positive feedback from the authorities that he needed. Well, he becomes a Christian. Why would he become a Christian for something that was false? Why? There's no reason. It makes no sense. I mentioned Thomas the skeptic. Jesus is revealing himself to people today. There are people who have accounts. They're posted. People don't want to pay a lot of attention to them. Christians find them pretty easily, I've found, but Christ is appearing to people post-resurrection, if you will, that are around the world today that are seeking God. There are Muslims telling stories as I was talking to God and I saw somebody and I believed it to be Jesus who they don't pray to Jesus. And their life has changed. They know if they turn their life over to Jesus, they're going to be kicked out of their family and maybe put to death. It's very common. I know it's out of our culture, but it's part of the Islamic culture. There are Jewish people today who are coming to Christ in things that we've never seen before. Uh, Again, just the stories that go on and on. And I believe God wants to use you and me I know I've just talked about some post-resurrection, but I think God has called us as his bride, as part of his kingdom to share the gospel. So I want to leave you with that this morning and uh, know that we have the power of the resurrection working in us. We can share it with others. Father, thank you for um, your word. Thank you for... Uh, the encouragement that we find that is from your heart to ours and we are flesh and blood but someday we are more than that we are spirit the time will come for us to enter your glory as well as your bride I pray God we live with this in our hearts and our minds and each day and, and take it to those around us in our attitude in our thoughts And ultimately, just knowing your presence and feeling the encouragement each day. Bless us, God, and strengthen us, Lord, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.